Yeah, like she, she was like trying to control everything so that she wouldn't lose her sons. Yeah. And then, and she's trying to manipulate the situation. But then the end result was she lost her sons. Yeah. And she thinks she's sending Jacob out for a few days, but we don't have any evidence that she ever saw him again. Yeah. All right, welcome back. Yes, Bible distilled. How's it going, man? Oh man, I'm good. I've got um, I'm like two cups in now. It's a little little jittery, and it's like a lighter roast. Yeah. Um, this is from Black and White Coffee, and I think it started in Wake Forest. Mm. They have like two now. One's in Raleigh, and one's in Wake Forest. But it's really good. This is my first time ever um, having Black and ever White. Drinking some Black and White. I like it. Yeah. So, man, I would love. For them to franchise down here i think they would kill it mm. um but it's like a yeah it's like a light medium roast gamma tui hmm. maybe that's how you sure we'll go that. with that we'll go with that uh but it's got some like milk chocolate some grape or something else in there i don't know i don't know what i'm tasting but yeah it's real good so check them out um they're pretty reasonably priced um and dang good coffee so yeah. and so we're a little jittery um, so a little <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about the twins today. The twins, yeah. And the uh, the narrative that follows them. I am a twin, by the way, so I feel like I have extra insight into mm -hmm. this one. So it's, it's close to home. It's my lived experience here that's yeah. going to come out. It'll feel like we're rushing because we're going through like six chapters today. Um, but a lot of it is just... A lot of it's narrative. A lot of it even kind of repeats itself. There's some things that are like said over and over, but we are going to, no pun intended, literally wrestle with Jacob's life, <laughs> um, which you'll, that'll make more sense as we dig into it. And then even next podcast. So we're going to deal with like the first half of his life and how messy of a character he is and how like he's my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you said that over and over again, like Jacob is the worst. Yeah. And I mean, again, like if there, if there's a character that really strikes a chord with you, it's something to consider that they probably are you. <laughs> um, so maybe it's, that's why I don't like him so much. Cause I'm, I'm maybe very similar um, to him. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the ancient like Jewish authors would call it chutzpah that he has. <laughs> so, but yeah, let's, uh, let's start right with it. Um, last week we breezed over, um, the beginning of Jacob and Esau, um, in Genesis 25. So we're going to go back to that starting with verse 19 through 34, um, is the beginning of their story. So it says that Isaac, um, and Rebecca, um, had two sons. They had Jacob and they had Esau and they were, as you said, they were twins. Yeah. Um, and what's really interesting about them is all of the narrative details that were given of how different they are. <laughs> um, like one comes out as this like gorilla bear looking. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then this other kid, Jacob. So Esau is the, the hairy one, but Jacob um, he comes out like grasping his brother's heel, mm. um, which I found really fascinating that the author even gives that as a note. 
Mm. Um, especially heal, like mm-hmm. the word heal there. Cause the last time we hear that explicitly given mm. is Genesis three, where it talks about how the seed of the serpent, um, is going to attack like the heel. Um, mm-hmm. so we have this like seed of not the serpent acting like the seed of the serpent here. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was, I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence there. Yeah. So what do you think it, is the significance then? Well, we're going to see in his life that um, there's there's much of a choice between is he going to define what's good and evil? Is he going to essentially play out the, the seed of the serpent, which is def- like being your own God, relying on yourself, or is he going to be this promised mm. Um, pro- I mean, he's, he's prophesied about that he will be the yeah. one in whom the Messiah will come from so right. that you see that wrestling very much so in his life. Um, yeah. so I think it's important that that's here. We also see just the rivalry at birth already. It's like the foreshadowing in their, in their narrative, mm-hmm. uh, that they're going to be struggling against each other, specifically Jacob struggling against Esau. Um, yep. he's, he's like not even letting him get out of the womb without already trying to, uh, almost pull him back and climb over him, mm. you know, yeah. um, which is going to be, uh, their story. So moving into the birthright, which yeah. is kind of the, the first, uh, pivotal point that, um, the author lets us into, um, yeah. you know, what's going on here. J- Jacob is a schemer. He's, mm-hmm. he's a plotter, chutzpah, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's figured out how to, how to trick his brother. So what's going on here? Yeah. So with some, I guess, some cultural context here, um, the idea of a birthright, um, it, it's, it seems displaced for us. Like we don't really know like what that means or why that's so important, but to a ancient, um, patriarchal society that was, um, where these guys were from, Um, the birthright was a really significant thing. It meant Mm. two things. It meant you got double the portion Mm. of your father's estate, but it also meant you got double the responsibility. Mm. So when the father passes, um, and in this case, when Isaac passes Esau as the firstborn, he would essentially be charged with the responsibility of, in this family's case, carrying out the mission that God had given the family. Mm. So like you're leading this this now. Um, and that like, that's really sad because of how little he cares about it. Mm. Um, and because he, it's, I mean, he, (laughs) he says, give me some stew or I'm going to die. Like, and you're not (laughs) going to die. Like you'll be fine. But like the narrator, the narrator saying like Esau just doesn't really care that much about his role Mm. in the world. Um, yeah. And I, and I think we can see ourselves in this a lot too, because if you're weighing, this divine responsibility that God has given us to be his priests in the world, uh, to be fruitful and multiply, to Mm -hmm. fill it with more and more worship, to bring people who are far from him close to him. It's a weighty responsibility. And yet it comes with an incredible joy. And there's this inheritance that comes with the responsibility. But how many times are we just like Esau and we only think of our stomachs? We mm. think of the physical needs and yeah, that's good. we think that true happiness, and we've talked about this on many occasions, but we're convinced that true happiness comes from satisfying physical needs. Mm-hmm. When And so we give up the deeper needs. We give up the spiritual needs, the soul needs. Mm. 
And that's exactly what Esau is doing here. He's literally giving up what's going to um, drive, what should drive his life and lead to happiness and peace. And it's the purpose that's been given to him by God. He gives it up for a bowl of soup. Yeah. And it's so easy. I think we need to just stop for a minute because it's easy to look at him and be like, you're an idiot. Hmm. But um, we do it almost every single day. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to see ourselves in Esau to be able to sympathize with him a little bit and also learn from him and, yeah. and not continually make this mistake over and over again. Well, it says even he despises it. Yeah. Like he despised it. Um, so Which I, that's how everything is. You, you go to the mm-hmm. sin, it's going to satisfy, it's going to bring you pleasure and it does for a few seconds and then you hate it and then you mm-hmm. hate yourself. And then you hate other people too. Like that's the end result. <laughs> yeah. Order into chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it only gets messier as we plunge ahead. Um, so now we're, we're picking up with the rest of Jacob and Esau's story in chapter 27. And we'll take this to chapter 31. Um, so a lot of narrative, but um, this, was, this was interesting. I, I want to kind of get your thoughts on this too, because the... the the text just isn't that clear, but I, I think I think this is what's happening. I, I think there's some clues that can give us this. Mm. So was Isaac in, in 27, was Isaac just completely unaware um, of the prophecy that was given to Rebecca? Or do you think he knew it and just like was taking matters in his own hands? So, yeah. for example, like, and I'm pulling that specifically from G- Genesis 25 where it says the younger is going to be the one that gets the blessing. Right. So like, what's the need with all this deception? Yeah. Like is, is Isaac. Yeah. And is Isaac like going outside the will of God? Like, what, what do you think? Yeah. I, I just imagine being Isaac and having a wife who knew this prophecy and knowing my wife, like my wife would have told me yeah. right away. Yeah. And she would have kept telling me over and over and over again, just like, especially if I was acting in a way that contradicted it. So I would imagine that that's exactly what's going on with him too. Yeah. And I think there's some internal evidence for that. Um, specifically, uh, in the fact that it isn't a big celebration, which this blessing ceremony be a big deal. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And, and And he would have spent years like crafting, what he's going to bless his sons, like the, the things yeah. that he would have said to them, it would have taken a long time to develop that. Because you, you were talking earlier off, off the recording about the importance of words and the importance of yeah. blessing. Um, once you speak something, you can't take it back. And so he's about to do mm-hmm. this. And yet it's not a party. It's not public. The whole thing has been planned to be carried out in secret. Yeah, that's good. Which is like Isaac is intentionally going against the prophecy that his wife has been telling him over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And now he's doing this secret ceremony to bless the wrong one. This is just kind of a shocking scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's definitely not pretty. And I think like at the end of this, there's really no heroes in this story. Yeah. Like we're always like hoping for one. <laughs> um, we're always, always let down. Yeah. We're always hoping for a hero, like a clear hero, a clear villain, but it just seems that everybody is like missing the mark here. Yeah. And, and some capacity, they're all defining for themselves what is right and what's, what's wrong. So Isaac taking matters into his own hands, um, giving the older, the blessing rather than the younger. Um, and then, 
we see Rebecca, um, there's a connection with Sarah of just like the sneakiness that's like happening here. Like she is, mm-hmm. um, coaches, essentially coaches her son and how to deceive her husband. Right. <laughs> like it's so, it's such a tragedy, um, that all of them are just like, are, are messing, messing up here, but like, we got to go back and I can't help but keep thinking of how Abraham and Sarah Mm. were doing this in their own lives, especially with like Hagar. Mm. And I'm just like, man, how different that story maybe could have been if they simply just trusted Mm. the Lord and was like, I'm going to do this the way that I want to, the way it's like by my design and we're going to do it our way. Um, and it, it, like the God still moves, like he still, his promises still come out, but look at all this chaos that is around. There's, there's such a wake of destruction in Abraham and Sarah, Sarah's life. And then there's going to be another wake of destruction as a result of this. Mm -hmm. And it all comes from, not trusting God's word mm-hmm. and obeying his commands. Yeah. Um, and Rachel thinks she's doing the right thing because you she's did it. Rebecca every single time. <laughs> and I knew you, I was you even do said it. you were going to mess it up and you did. I'll probably mess it up again before it's over. But yeah, so Rebecca, like she knew the prophecies. So she's trying to, you know, on, on the one hand, it's an evidence of faith. But on the other hand, it's like, uh, well, you don't sin. You, a mm. wrong doesn't make a right. You know, like there, I had a right motive for my lie and for my deception. That doesn't make it right. And so there's going to be all this destruction that flows out of it. But. Yeah. There's two notes I want to make um, in this chapter. And it's it's really centered around um, the blessings that Isaac does give to his son. So the one that he gives... Um, to Jacob is almost, it is almost this like mirror of Genesis 12, one mm-hmm. through three. So, um, the sons of your mother come bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. So like he is just this verbatim, like you, you are now I'm charging you now who he thought was Esau. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's Jacob, he's charging Jacob now Jacob is now the behor. He has this like birthright. He's responsible. And now he's been blessed by his father mm-hmm. to now be the guy from whom the um, nation of Israel would come, the yeah. seed of the, uh, the Messiah to come. And like now, Jacob, you will lead your family to do what I was doing, which is what my father was charged with, mm-hmm. Abraham. So that's like, that's what's happening there with that one. But then this was crazy. Like, and I can't take credit for any of this. Um, I'll link like just the where where I got this from in the show notes, but the prophecy that's given to Esau, um, it's specifically it's in verse forty. So you'll live by the sword, you'll serve your brother. So he's talking about how he will ultimately be serving the nation of Israel. Edom is where Esau he becomes the nation of Edom. But when you grow restless, you will break his yoke and from off of your neck. And so specifically what's happening there, there is this like, I'm going to take you on a biblical history journey here, but like from the nation of Edom, Edom is like one of the main opponents to the Israelites. And so a major character that comes in play that is against the Israelites um, that comes from the nation of Edom is Herod the Great. Mm. And so Herod the Great Um, He's from this nation. He is this like puppet king that's like in charge of of Jerusalem during the time of Jesus. And what happens then is like 
without, I mean, of course, Isaac doesn't know any of this, but like what he was actually prophesying is something that was going to come out where Herod the Great is trying to, he essentially goes and he makes this mandate to kill off all the baby boys Mm. in Israel. So there's like this just like really nasty, like prophecy that comes out from, again, this, this disobedience that Mm. happens where this like generations and generations and generations down the line, this is what happens um, with that. So it's, um, yeah, that's a mess, but there is some redemption even for Esau's line that we'll see later in the Bible. But anything else on the blessing that you wanted to, you want to give? Well, I think that's a good transition. Um, I think now that Jacob is going to be the man, um, God's going to take him through this process of, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, humiliation. I mean, I think just bringing him to rock bottom so that he can actually be the man. Um, you know, I, I just was thinking of Luther's quote, um, you know, God made the world out of nothing. And as long as we're nothing, he can make something out of us. Mm. And I think Jacob has been this prince. He's the He's, he's, his family's immensely wealthy yeah. and he's, he's essentially the prince in the family. He's probably never lifted a finger in his entire life. Yeah. He's had everything taken care of people waiting on him hand and foot. And, uh, and so if anyone was like, you know, really far away from being nothing, it would have been Jacob. And so he's got this blessing and now the rest of the story that we're going to look at today is like God breaking him mm-hmm. so that he can actually be the man. Yeah. So he's sent off because Esau wants to kill him naturally. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, oh, you had, you had said this and I, I want you to say this, but it's like, um, like you were telling me a little bit about like when Jacob went out and like Re- uh, Rebecca, like, yeah, like she, she was like trying to control everything so that she wouldn't lose her sons. Yeah. And then, and she's trying to manipulate the situation, but then the end result was she lost her sons. Yeah. And she thinks she's sending Jacob out for a few days, but we don't have any evidence that she ever saw him again. Yeah. It's just this tragic thing. And I've seen this in my own life. Like whenever I try to control a situation, usually I lose what I was trying to hold on to anyways. And mm-hmm. it's a result of my trying to control it. And that's what's happening here with, with Rebecca. Yeah. So he is, he's charged with going back to, um, essentially family of the family. Mm-hmm. So, um, where he's going, um, is where Isaac or the servant of Abraham, when he sent out a servant for Isaac's wife, he went to the place that Jacob's now going to. Mm-hmm. So Rebecca and is a part of this line, which it goes way back to like Abraham's brother. So this is who he's from. Mm-hmm. So Jacob is charged not to marry a Canaanite woman like Esau was. And so he goes, he's on this journey, um, to go back to Laban. And before he gets there, he has this really weird dream. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, what the heck is happening? Um, there's a lot of this that happens in Jacob's life, um, of just these odd, like, yeah, odd visions that he has. But this one especially is, is pretty unique. So verses 10 through, um, 22, he has this like vision um, where he sees like the stairway mm-hmm. um, that's like descending from heaven, yeah. essentially. And he sees these like angels that are coming up and down from it. Um, and he's like, 
oh, this is, this is like a place where God is. This is the gate to heaven. Yeah. This is the gate to heaven. Um, but, but a couple like interesting notes here is, um, it says he was like verse 16 when he woke, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. Mm-hmm. And what a story, what a picture of like the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Cause again, Jacob is the father of Israel. His name gets changed to Israel later. Mm-hmm. And like, that is just their story in the whole old Testament. You have this blessing, you have this charge, you have this command. You just don't have relationship. Yeah. Um, and he's like, Jacob, you have all this, but like, you don't know me. <laughs> yeah. There's a very practical atheism of him, like forgetting that God's there, forgetting mm-hmm. that God's present. Yeah. And even like him saying like, um, in verses 20 through 22, he's basically saying like, um, if you give me this and you give me this and you give me this and this, then the Lord will be my God. Right. So it's this like very transactional faith. Yeah. And what's, what's he asking for too? Uh, again, it's the physical Jacob says, if you give me safety, yeah, if you good. give me food and if you give me clothing, then, you know, then you'll be my God. So he's, he's essentially God's his genie. And mm. he's lost his safety. He's lost his food. He's lost his clothing. He's convinced that if he's going to be happy, he's got to get those things returned to him. So God's his genie. He's asking for these things. And, and again, it's just, just part of the process. God's probably, you know, chuckling like yeah. you have no idea, Jacob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As we're definitely not transactional faith nowadays, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound familiar at all. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I think that's really important. Like this isn't a new thing. This is a very old idea of like how we play games. Like we barter with God. That was my story. Mm. Like before Jesus was Lord, like I was making these like barter things with God where I was like, you know, if I don't do as bad this week, you and I are close. Right. I'm like, God, it's just not at all like how relationship with God is. Yeah. Well, I've had, I've, I've prayed Jacob's prayer so many times. Oh, Mm -hmm. if you'll give me the wife. Oh, if you'll give me yeah. this, you know, if you'll, and I get injured, you know, in soccer, be like, oh, if you'll like, you know, heal my injury, then, then I'll follow you, you yeah. know? And it's like so manipulative, yeah. but that's who Jacob is. He's the master manipulator. Yeah. But the, yeah, I think what's, what's really, what's really good about this dream too, is the connection it is to the new Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, so and John one, Jesus is talking with Nathaniel, um, and he's like, "Oh, you'll see greater, greater things than than this." Right. And then he's like mentioning explicitly, the and the language is the same, the stairway to heaven and these angels ascending and descending. And so, like, the idea there is that, like, in the especially in the Near East, like there were these like portals to heaven, like this gateway to heaven. And so like angels would be these like mediators that would be like bringing messages from God to the earth and like vice versa. Um, and so what Jesus is explicitly saying there is like, I am the mediator. Yeah. Um, like he's saying that the angels will descend and ascend uh, upon the son of man. Um, like it's just a very Jewish way for him to say like, yeah, I am, I am God. Like I'm the one that like that was talking about. Yeah. Uh, which I thought is really hopeful. Um, Super cool. Yeah. And this. And so Jacob, I mean, the rest of Jacob's life in the story is him going to be wrestling with like, am I going to go my way or am I going to follow this God? Yeah. This God with full power and full authority.
why don't you give like a nutshell of Jacob and Laban? Yeah. And uh, in, in there, you know, the manipulator gets manipulated, the usurper gets usurped, the trickster gets tricked. So, yeah. you know, what, what happens? Yeah, um, I guess really briefly, Jacob arrives um, to Laban's just place, his, his household, and he, he meets uh, Rachel first. Um, and he, I'm like, does some really weird things where he like makes out with her before he even tells her who he, who he is. And it's just like, guys, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, this is not a good example. <laughs> so he's just like weeping. And I like one commentator was saying like, he's trying, he's like replaying what is happening. Like with Isaac, you know, like that scene at the well. Hmm. Um, and he's like trying to like, Oh, this is a sign, you know, like this is of God and like all of this stuff. And like that, that's really, I mean, there's a lot there. You can, we can really think that we're like tricking ourselves into being in the will of God. But, hmm. um, so he meets Rachel, he, has this weird encounter with her. She runs back. Of course she would just run <laughs> uh, back to her, her dad, uh, Laban. And then, um, he stays there for a little bit because they're of the same blood. They're mm. related. So Laban's like, of course I'm going to bring you in. And so, um, Laban tells Jake or Jacob's like, Hey, I want to marry Rachel. Um, he's like, okay, yeah, that, I, I could see that. Um, and so he says, well, why don't you work for me for seven years and then you can have Rachel? Mm. Well, in the back of Laban's mind, what's happening here is that he, he has another daughter named Leah. Um, and I'm, this isn't like me just saying like, okay, well, Leah wasn't as attractive as Rachel. Like the, the narrator is giving this like idea that Leah Leah was in some way like a burden to her family. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's not good. It's twisted, but it just, it is what it is. Like Laban saying like, I've got to get her married or she's going to be useless. Right. Cause in this society, remember if you couldn't have kids or you couldn't be married, mm. then you were useless. Yeah. Um, and so, um, as a, as a father, he's saying, well, I'm, I'm going to, make a way where Jacob takes Leah. And so the night of the wedding, like Rachel is what, like, he's like, yeah, I'm about to get Rachel. And then there's like this conniving where he actually ends up sleeping with Leah right? and consummates the marriage there. And he's like, what the heck Laban? Um, why did you, why did you do that? Um, he's like, well, you know, culturally speaking, you know, I got to give away the older daughter first. And so it's just this, like, like you said, the usurper gets usurped. And so he works another seven years and then, he, uh, well, I think he, I think he's married to Rachel, but he also has to work another, another yeah. seven years. So that's kind of the gist of. So now he has story. two wives. Now so he has two wives. Uh, yep. and their house becomes like a Jerry Springer episode. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's everything that you would imagine it would be in all of the drama and frustration and hurt feelings and. All that kind of stuff. Um, Well, you know, Jacob is tricked into marrying Leah. He doesn't love her. Yeah. Um, And the author's really clear about that too. (laughs) Right. And, and so, you know, not only does he have two wives, but it's not like one of those situations where he's just a a natural born polygamist who like loves both of his wives. And he like probably just neglects her. Um, We -hmm. don't have any evidence that he necessarily mistreated her, but um, it does say though that like, she's hated. Yeah. Um, that she's not 
loved like Rachel. Um, right. There's almost a, he, he despises her. Yeah. Cause every kid she has minus Judah is like, well now my, now my husband will love me. Now my husband will approve of me. So, yeah. and he never does. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and we're not going to get into all the details there of, of everything that happens, but, um, needless to say, this is just another consequence of not following the Lord and not trusting and not obeying. Mm -hmm. And now Jacob has been tricked. And, um, and I think again, um, there was some idolatry in the way that he loved and longed for, uh, Rachel mm-hmm. Keller's got a whole chapter on this, this story in his book, counterfeit gods. So if you want to maybe get a little bit more of that, uh, read that chapter or that book is a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's, when he's, uh, talking to God, um, after the vision, he's asking for safety, he's asking for food and all the clothing and all these things. And then when he sees Rachel, it's like, well, now I want romance. Now I want this love. And it's like this, he's a tragic romantic. I mean, he's just yeah. head over heels and this is going to be the thing that uh, brings him satisfaction. And then it, it can't and it doesn't either. And so yeah. um, I feel like Jacob's life uh, on the run is just a constant pruning again of God mm-hmm. taking away the idol, taking away the thing that he wants more than anything else so that he'll turn to mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I want to be clear. This is not him ending up with two wives and then he ends up actually sleeping with their servants as well. Mm-hmm. Cause there's this like battle now between Leah and Rachel of like, you know, it even says Rachel is like envious of her sister, probably mm-hmm. the first time it's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like she's envious of her. Um, and so they just go after each other. Of like, I'm going to have more kids. I'm going to be more worthy. And like, well now Jacob, like you sleep with my servant. Where, where the heck is Jacob in all this? Yeah. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll just <laughs> go to this tent and this tent and this tent. So yeah. he's just like, he's not learning. And like the, the, the dysfunction here that if we're building a case about anything, this is what happens when we decide for ourselves what's right mm-hmm. and wrong. And God's whole design and plan is that he's like, would you just trust me? Mm-hmm. Would you follow me? Uh, because when we do that, look at the chaos that that happens out of something that could be orderly. Right. Like, this story could have been so different. Um, yeah. Yeah. And all of ours could be. Yeah. So um, I guess I guess a landing place for Jacob's first part of his life. Um <laughs> And there is some redemption in this as well um, that we'll we'll end with. But the I guess the final note. So in, in Genesis thirty one, um, Jacob is getting really wealthy. Now mm-hmm. he's well, he's got essentially four women he's sleeping with. He has twelve kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he is getting real wealthy with all this cattle and and all this stuff. And so Laban's like seeing like okay like he's getting so powerful that he can like now be the most powerful guy. I'm, this is my territory. And now he's like coming after me essentially. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you got to You got Or Jacob is just feeling like he's got to go. Mm. Um, and so he does. And so what happens is, um, he does this, like he ends up tricking him again. Um, <laughs> of course in, tr- in true fashion, but he strikes this like bargain, um, with Laban with actually profits Jacob where he gets a ton of like wealth from it. Um, and it's like, it's kind of weird. Cause it's like, he even tells 
Leia and Rachel later, he's like, yeah, like that only happened because of God. Mm. So it's this like, is God like behind this? And so it's like this question that we're like, yeah, it's like it's really a part of that blessing of those who bless you, curse those who curse you. So he he like tricks Laban and gets wealthy off of it, and Laban comes after him. Mm. So he like pursues him down, and like then there's this weird story of how Rachel stole these idols from Laban, yeah. um, and Laban's like, "You stole my idols," and Rachel's like, "No, I didn't." And Jacob's like, "Go away!" Like it's just this like back and forth, and like he couldn't like the whole weird thing of like Rachel saying like, "Yeah, you can't search under." My my cushion because I'm like on my like monthly cycle right now. Um, it's just like this weird, like what, like what is happening, but they end up striking this deal together and they cut a covenant. Hmm. And basically what's happening there is he's saying, okay, we're going to try essentially and reconcile together. Um, because it says they have, they share a meal together. Um, and in the ancient Near East, you didn't eat with people unless you had reconciled with them. Mm. So they like try this effort of reconciling. And then there's like this covenant that they cut, but it's not that friendly. Cause it's like, basically if you pass this side, I'm going to kill you. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's just weird, man. And we're like left with this like weird sense of like, it was reconciliation, but not really. Um, and mm. are they like is everything okay? Like Jacob is now going into enemy territory and like, what, like, is there hope in this? <laughs> like, is there, it, yeah, there's just some weird things, but we, we specifically didn't talk about this because we wanted to end with it. So Ben, I'll let you actually end with it. Um, where is the, like the redemption in this story? Um, yeah. well, again, it's the constant theme of the goodness and mercy of God. And, uh, and we're going to see it on and on. Um, there's like the climax of it with Joseph. Um, mm-hmm. what, what these, you know, people meant for evil, God meant for good. God is literally the one who's pulling the strings. Yeah. Um, and he is orchestrating his will according to all of his glorious purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really, uh, beautiful, redemptive, um, line in this story that just is going to go on and on and on until Jesus is that Leah is the unloved, the unlovely, the despised, hated wife. Hmm. She's the burden to her family. She's the one that nobody wants. She keeps trying to get approval and blessing from her husband, Mm -hmm. never gets it. And yet it's from her that uh, Judah is uh, born mm-hmm. and from Judah would ultimately be, uh, the Messiah. Mm. And I think it's again, just another, um, beautiful picture of the grace of God and the kindness of God. Cause he, he uses the unlovely, he uses the, um, the unwanted, he uses the sinners, the, even the prostitutes as we're going to see later on, like the Jesus's line is just one after the other of the smallest, the youngest, the weakest, the ugliest, the most unloved and unlovely. And Mm -hmm. this is ultimately who the Messiah came to save. So it's, it would make sense that that's who he came from. But I think that that's just this really um, beautiful picture of the grace of God in Leah's life, that she is ultimately the mother that would produce the one yeah. who's going to crush the head of the serpent. Yeah. And that, that phrase there that you had mentioned, Genesis 50, 
the what man intended for evil, God intends for good. Like it's it's so much more than just like a verse, but it really is this like tie up to the entire book of Genesis. Yeah. Where we'll I mean we'll get there, but it's like this is the stamp of the patriarchs mm-hmm. is how dysfunctional this whole thing is and what happens again when we do what we want to do rather than following the Lord. Yeah. Um, but God is saying, you know, my promise still is going to come through mm. of saving this world, whether you're with me or not. And whether mm. like you try and thwart it, it's not going to happen. Like yeah. God is, God is like you said, he's coming after us. Um, and he's the hero. I mean, you look at the, the patriarchs and yeah. you're like, goodness, these guys are in a lot of ways, yeah, they're they're obedient sometimes, and they're faithful sometimes. And Hebrews eleven talks about their faith, but and they are messed up. Yeah, and uh, and yet you know, and so yeah, it, God is going to work in and through them, and he's he's the hero. He's the hero of Genesis, and he's the hero of the whole Bible. Yeah, so that's um that's a wrap on the first part of Jacob's life, and we're gonna see almost this like climax um of this like wounding and humiliation that he does with jacob where Mm -hmm. um i mean god does use him right like there is there's something i will say this like and all of the bad that jacob is like he definitely wants what esau didn't care about Mm -hmm. he wants to be a part of this um and god is still going to use him and he changes his character <laughs> yeah for sure uh but jacob does in some way like he has that chutzpah yeah um well he's been in the process he's been in the the breaking process and it's going to come to a climax which we're going to talk about next week where yeah. he is broken completely broken yeah um but until then thanks ben um we will uh catch y'all next week see you guys all right see you